0: hello and welcome to my little digital world prepare to dive deep get real and get close and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know i am jeremy griffin and these are my conversations so grab a coffee and get comfortable because here we go All right. Today's podcast is brought to you by clean air. Without it, we'd all be dead. Fantastic.
1: Fantastic. (laughs) Where can we get some? Where can we get more of
0: it? Um, Your local grocer. (laughs) Uh, I want to welcome Mario Nani to the podcast today. Mario, how are you?
1: I'm doing fantastic.
0: Awesome. Um, I am not going to give away, for those who don't know who you are, what you do, and all that other stuff, we will get there. We will get to it. It's probably in somewhere in the show notes on the podcast. Somewhere. But, you know, some people are just listening. They don't even know.
1: Well, they, you know, they might listen and they go, man, I've heard that voice somewhere before. Exactly. They'll so. think,
0: hey. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... I met you, what, probably seven, eight years ago?
1: 2012.
0: Yeah, 2012, eight years ago.
1: Yeah, eight years ago. Time flies.
0: Gosh, it does. While you're having fun as this. And,
1: and we've had a lot of fun. I, I think. think
0: so, yeah. Absolutely. It's been a good time. Um, So uh, <laughs> I really want to give it away, but we'll get there. Oh, also, there is, okay, so for those who are listening, we are recording this. Uh, live at the Griffin Studios in the kitchen of my abode. And, uh, the kitchen studio. It is the kitchen studio. The um, non-kitchen studio is still in progress, but um, the show must go on, as they say. Absolutely. And there are, uh, there's a fly that I've been working on all day. He he's fast. He's fast. He is fast. He's
1: fast. He'll get slower as as the days go by. Yes, we
0: need him to. They too. say they,
1: they they say the fly lives only one day or two days That's or three a load days. Of crap. I think that, I think that is true. <laughs> I think that is absolutely either that or they just spontaneously regenerate into a yeah. completely different faster fly. I,
0: I am convinced. I was killing some um, out on my patio a while back, and I'm convinced that you can just simply stun them, and if you don't really kill them. They'll get back up and fly away. I actually saw one One of those happened. Like I smacked it. I followed it to the ground. I'm looking at it. It wasn't moving. And then, you know, I'm kind of gloating, mm-hmm. standing over it like a bully. Right. And... i mere insect? insect. It's, it's right. <laughs> Me or the insect. <laughs> and, then, and it started twitching. And then it got up and flew away. And I thought, well, I shouldn't gloat next time. I need to finish that sucker off. <laughs>
1: Well, I, you know, wait, wait, wait till you meet the guy that catches one with his hand and then eats it.
0: I'd rather not.
1: I, well, you know, I've met a lot of strange people in wow. my days.
0: I guess so. Yeah. So let's... It, it, it could
1: have been, it could have been just a, you know, slight of hand.
0: <laughs> well, you know, we'll, we'll choose to believe what we want to believe. Right. Um, okay. So we record this recording this in the middle of the, uh, apocalypse. Uh, it's 2020 summer of 2020. And the world is coming to an end, but uh, we're still Well, here. if
1: if it's a, if it's the apocalypse, something should be revealed, right?
0: At some but point, what's, what is being revealed? Well, people's right character.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs>
0: the world's character at large is radically being revealed.
1: Absolutely, and maybe uh, maybe none too soon.
0: Man, that's the truth. So, Mario, tell me a little bit about where you grew up, man.
1: Well, I was born in St. Louis. Don't remember it because moved moved away shortly. Grew up. My, my childhood was in Pensacola, Florida. There you go. Beautiful town. A beautiful town. We were poor and didn't know it. It's a good way to be. Six kids. I was the youngest of six, all two years apart. At some point, my parents had six kids in school all at the same time. Wow. I, you know, of course, you know, I was the youngest, so I always had to go grocery shopping. But I remember it was two of the big deep carts yeah every trip yeah. every trip we ate a lot and of course my parents fed the whole family you know the whole neighborhood too so wow well you know we all had we all had different activities and and so on and so forth and you know my dad would come home early from you know work he'd get home he he'd eat at 5 dinner would be ready at 5 but you know my sister might have dance or I might be in football practice and whatever. And we would just, you know, well, whenever we came home, you know, that's when we'd eat, you know, mom make a big pot of whatever. Right. And, you know, spaghetti, we'd, you we'd bring it spaghetti? To spaghetti. spaghetti was on Sundays. It's a good standard. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, you know, she, my mom used to make this goulash. Yes. And I do. And, and, and I've. Do you have a recipe? Give me the recipe. No, I've never had a recipe. It's just, just whatever she had. I mean, it was just, you know, uh, a lot of chicken pot pies and, and Kool-Aid, uh, you know, during right. summer times, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. you know. Uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great childhood. And then in 1980, while I was in high school, I was, uh, my dad got transferred to uh, Houston, Texas.
2: Okay.
1: And all the other kids had been. You know, out of school. Gotcha. Uh, well, my sister was her senior year. She stayed with my brother in Pensacola to finish out her senior year at her high school, and I'm I was the only only kid that went to Houston. Oh, and
0: cool.
1: that was a big culture shock.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. What? what but uh, two things. So before, so I'm in the 70s. Right is when you were kind of living life in Pensacola, right? Correct. So, what was the biggest difference as you saw it going from Pensacola
1: to uh, Houston? To Houston? Yeah.
0: Oh, well.
1: Pensacola at the time and beautiful beaches, you know, so we, we were always outside. It yeah. was always, we were always outside and, you know, we, we'd either go to the beach or go down to the bay or, you know, be going out to the woods, go fishing, you know, whatever, go to the neighborhood swimming pool. You know, we were always outside. You get to Houston, you're not outside in summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. You're not. You're you, AC. Right. You yeah, step outside, you're instantly yeah, covered you, 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 in sweat. Right? it's
1: it's unbelievable. You know, you go go to the you know go to the neighborhood uh, park and you know play some basketball, and you know you know about about thirty forty five minutes into that, you're done. <laughs> you know, you're done. Uh, so that was that was the huge difference. The sheer size. You know, my whole high school. I, my freshman year of high school was in was in Florida. And my entire school was maybe eleven hundred, twelve hundred kids.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The school I went to in Texas, we had sixteen hundred just in the sophomore class. Oh
0: my gosh,
1: it was huge. You know, you know everything bigger in Texas. Everything's right. bigger in Texas.
0: It's like like a college campus.
1: It really was. Mm-hmm. You know, it really was. And I remember driving into Houston that first time and, and, you know, seeing the skyline. And I was, you know, I mean, I was kind of wide eyed I was, you know, 15 years old. You know, I'm kind of excited, you know, finally a big city. I could have a major sports team. Right. (laughs) Because, you know, Pensacola, you know, we got for football, it was either Miami Dolphins or New Orleans Orleans Saints football. Mm -hmm. And baseball, it was always Atlanta Braves. And I guess you could pick WGN, you could get, you know, the uh, Chicago. Oh, yeah. But we didn't have a team. Mm-hmm. I said, man, I want to be, be in a city. I've got a team I can root for. So I was instantly an Astro fan, instantly a Rockets fan, Oilers fan. Mm-hmm. And that was, uh, that was the days of Earl Campbell. Oh, god Love you, Blue Days. Yeah, dude. And uh, uh, it was the, f- the following year I got there was uh, the Rockets' first trip to the NBA Finals against the Celtics.
0: Hmm.
1: Those was with Moses Malone. and
0: Dude.
1: Back in those days. <laughs> yeah. And they got there because uh, I think that your Magic Johnson got hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers, so we were able to, you know, get into – because that, that was the time when it was always Lakers-Celtics. Yeah. Lakers-Celtics. That Celtics. was it, yeah. yeah. That's when the league went to that two three two 3 from the finals. Right. Travel time back then. Right. You know, and um, – So it was a good time to be in Houston, you know. I mean, there was there was a oil bust about that time, Mm -hmm. so there were you know there were some stressors, but it was still such a big city. Now I go back eight years, I don't even recognize it. It's weird. It's even bigger. It's even bigger.
0: Yeah. So it's funny. I was just thinking about the parallels uh, for you and I that I didn't realize going into this. As much time as we've spent having. Dinner together. We used to, we eat dinner together a lot. Yeah, we did in our in our eight years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but uh, when I was when I was twelve, my dad moved uh job and I went from Oklahoma, so Oklahoma City mm-hmm. um, actually more Oklahoma, but suburb of Oklahoma City, to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You talk about culture showing. Wow. Now here's the crazy part though. So I get there and again, very similar when I I had the same kind of thoughts, right? I'm I'm going to Pittsburgh and I'm thinking Steelers, the Pirates and the Penguins. Like this is Yeah. This is great. I it's was funny. watching the Pirates games with Barry Bonds and Bobby Bonilla. I mean, it's like backing each like lined right. up next to each other, you know. Um, the uh, but I became a hockey fan for the first time really. Um, because, you know, in Oklahoma, you, you've heard of hockey. Right. You know, I've heard of Wayne Gretzky, but yeah. I didn't know, you know, couldn't watch hockey at the time. Right. And so, because uh, this was like 90, 89, 90, somewhere in there. And so it uh, uh, would have been 89, I guess. Uh, but anyway, I was there. I watched Pittsburgh Penguin games. You could you could pay five bucks and get on the boards uh, and watch a Penguins game back then. Yeah. And that was the year. Not that year, but I was there the year they won their first Stanley Cup. And to be able to be there with Mario Lemieux and Paul Coffey and Yarmir Yager and some of these amazing Hall of Famers. Yeah, amazing play. Oh, my gosh. And, and, you know, it's neat to learn a game. I had a similar experience in the NBA, which we'll talk about later, but um, I didn't follow basketball at all until I started working in the arena. And learning a sport – in that way is a lot of fun, and oh, absolutely! Because you know, if you learn it like in high school, you just or, or or junior high or something, it's not the same game. You you learn it based on playing it in that way, but when you learn it at a professional level, mm-hmm. and you see some of the the depth to it all, it's just I don't know, it's really cool. It's like watching a chess match between these coaches too, and the way they send like for hockey, the way they send lines out when they mm-hmm. send them out. But um, but the culture shock. I wanted to say something about that because you know, coming from Moore, Oklahoma, I think the Average person on the planet would think, well, yeah, going to Pittsburgh is, you know, it's got to blow your mind. No, Let me just tell you, it was like moving from from the inner city to Mayberry, because we we were live we lived eleven miles south of Pittsburgh in a, in the town called Bethel Park, mm. um, suburb. the The pace was so much slower than it was slower than Oklahoma, slower than Oklahoma, and and specifically in more when I was growing up, there was a lot of drug use. Um, they were wealthier kids in the area, and so they were doing uh, cocaine was the big thing. Yeah. And so you had a lot of that, a lot of um, pressure for a lot of immoral activities, we'll just put it that way. Um, I mean, I, I saw things before I was 10 years old that no 10-year-old should see. Right, And, uh, and I go to Pittsburgh, and I'm surrounded is a very big Catholic community. So mm-hmm. about half of my friends went to Catholic school, and they were all just... Good Catholic kids. Huh? And uh, there was something for me, I was nervous, you know, going up there, but excited. But then just within the first week, I just thought, man, this is great. I can actually relax. How long were you there? Uh, we were there about three years. So I moved back, uh, yeah, because I moved out there early in my seventh grade year, and we moved back uh, relatively early, early in my 10th grade year. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. And it was just my, you know, my dad lost a job up there and we yeah. moved back home
1: yeah absolutely but yeah so. Well, 10th grade is a is a weird time you know you know to to change yeah because you know you you're just you're just a kid trying to figure it out and you're saying, well, I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be a man here at some point you know and uh, yeah. you know you don't know you kind of you kind yeah. of look for cues around the people you know and you know my parents couldn't help you know, I can't help you because you know. First of all, they're too busy working, right? Because they have to, and second of all, it was a you know. By the time I was fifteen, my dad was already you know in his fifties. You mm-hmm. know, so he's not hip to what's going on, and you know, he didn't know anything more anything about Houston more than I did when when we went you know went to Houston. So it was uh, it was it was a really strange time to kind of you know figure out where you fit in. Right. And, you know, and especially at that age, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound, uh, what's the right word? It's not. It, it wasn't disconcerting, but it was certainly confusing. Yeah. And it, at a confusing age, you know, a confusing right. move at a confusing age is, you know, it, it was, That's you rough. know, once you work through it, yeah, you, you know, once you work through it, but I think you come out of it a little bit, Or at least I did, you know, a little bit more aware of, you know, who who I am and, you Mm -hmm. know, what I want to be and all that. Man, it was
0: it was really formative for me. I mean, it really was. I I radically changed. Um, I I changed going into Pittsburgh. Um, I was a really shy kid, um, like really shy, like clinically, probably some bad stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just man, I didn't like who I was. And so I just decided. It's
1: weird. I did that about about eighteen, right right after I got out of high school because I was I wasn't shy, but I just didn't know anybody, and I wasn't assertive, and you know, and I didn't know the hierarchies between the yeah the people and the cliques and the stuff, you know. So I just kind of just don't be anybody's enemy,
0: right? <laughs> it's right. really what yeah.
1: I just wanted to be. And then you know, when I got out of high school, you realize you don't even see those people anymore after right. you get out of high school, and you know, you get your first job, and you know, I think I would enrolled at U of H and. And I, you know, I get a summer job. So you know what? I don't, I don't want to be the shy guy. I want to be, you know, I want to be the gregarious guy. I want to be the funny guy. So I, I took a job. You know, now I, now here I am with people that don't even know me, right?
0: Right. So I can be anybody I want. Exactly. And that's when I got loud. That's <laughs> and thank God for it. <laughs> you know, dude, that's funny because that, that's really the same mentality I took it. You know, when I was leaving Oklahoma, um, I was very passive and I had. Um, I you know when you get into fights as a kid, I mean it just it just tore me up emotionally. I was fighting with my friends and I didn't like that you know. So, right. but but I would just I don't you know I was um, I was a frightened little kid. And moving to Pittsburgh, I just said you know nobody knows me here. I can be who I want. All right. And one huge advantage to moving to the northeast part of the country when you're um, taller than most of the kids even in Oklahoma and you show up there, you're just taller than, you know, that Mm -hmm. Italian heritage there, they're just not as tall. right? And so that was the comment I got all the time. Oh, they are growing big in Oklahoma. Right, 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 (laughs) right, right. right. And so there was a sense too of just, uh, feeling safer in that environment and because it slowed down, but it, it changed me. And I, I think that's something, you know, there's the people go through this over their lifetime at different times. Like you talked about as you graduated and, um, I think it's it's somewhat of an identity, right? It's an identity, but I think it's it's uh I don't know, it's a deeper thing than that. It's it's this decision that says, "Man, I I want to be who I want to be." And man, the people that I know who've gone through that, I love those folks. They're fun to be with because they have confidence in who they are and they're not trying to prove anything. Right. And that's just a good place.
1: And it's also good when you when you meet if you have the ability, you know, you know to meet someone that is um you know, like in my professional career has mainly been in the service industry, so you know you get someone that's a first time service industry person, and they're you know they're really shy and, they really don't. and then you know after about three months later, you know they're you know they're a whole different person, yeah, because you know you it forces you it forces you to look strangers in the eye, say something pleasant to them. Make them feel comfortable for being where they are, Mm -hmm. and hopefully extracting a little bit of money at the end into your pocket. You know, because you were nice to them, because that's really all people want when they go to get served in whatever, you know, restaurant bar whatever. They're they're there to be served, right? You know, you know, it's not it's it's service. It's not servitude.
0: Right, right. You know, it's a big difference
1: there. Uh, it's, It's it's absolutely it's absolutely huge, and you know, and you know, you just. And you get that you get that person, a young person, and they you know they they want to get into the service business because they they do want they do want more experiences with, with other people. You know, maybe they're stuck at home or whatever, and and they do want that. And when they learn how, and it's really stuff we learned in kindergarten, right? Be nice to other people, share. You, know, right. <laughs> you yeah. know, you know the golden rules, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Once they learn to do that, and uh, and 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 do that in a way that um that is sincere and not you know condescending you know like you know we've always had we've all had a snooty server oh sure you know and i still tip them anyway you know if they give you know yeah i don't want them to spit at my food right although i don't (laughs) think that actually happens does it
0: I mean, look, you man, hear
1: stories, you see things, but I've been in the bed a long time. I never saw anybody do anything to anybody. Okay.
0: But now the majority of your service time has been like in bars. In, in bars, bars and clubs, right. right. Okay. So how much food prep are you doing in bars? We do a little. I mean, you do some we'll like do quesadillas some. Yeah,
1: or yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, little finger foods and stuff.
0: So, I mean. I've worked in kitchens. Look, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know I would I would say this. I would think it would be more likely to happen in today's world than it would have been twenty years ago.
1: Well you're probably right there.
0: There's a there's a next level of vindictiveness that exists in today's world. You
1: know that is uh that is oddly true.
0: It's weird, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know what they're mad at. <laughs> I did not do anything to them. You know, there is <laughs> no.
0: there was a New York Times reporter um that coined a phrase that I think is, I'm not even going to say the phrase because I don't think it's accurate, but that there is, he basically was laying out that there is now a new addiction to rage, that rage is an addiction in our world.
1: Well, I guess you can label anything, anything you want. There's definitely a lot of it. There's definitely a lot of it. Um, But there was a lot of rage in the 90s. That's when the... You know, the real heavy metal stuff came out. Well, a lot, but maybe that's but angst. that was, all maybe just, that was, maybe that was more angst it's, than it, rage. Yeah. It,
0: it felt so to me, man, that felt more uh, juvenile, right? It right. felt more adolescent. And, and honestly, when you look even like at the 60s and, and some of the turmoil over the years, that's where it seemed to live. But man, today's world, it lives, it's almost like those people never grew out of that and they've found a new platform to just become rage machines. Not Rage Against the Machine, <laughs> but Machines of
1: Rage. <laughs> they are Machines of Rage. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I don't, I won't talk about social media, but I, I did, and I rarely, I, you know, I, I watch the stuff. I don't respond to people, but I, I purposely go on there just to see what, you know, people are doing. And someone had put a post about, gosh, just all their rage, and it was all, on, on uh, the orange-haired dude. Yeah, and they they, they just uh, I mean they just talk about it that it's like a. And by the way, when are they going to start using paragraphs in these rants <laughs> oh, on uh, on on these posts? Just put a paragraph in there or two. And just not one giant long paragraph. Dude. But anyway, that's what it was, and it was this how they can't sleep at night because they hate this guy so much and everything and. I, and the person that posted said, I totally agree. And I, I, sent, I sent a message. I said, man, I would hate to live my life ruled by rage.
0: Right. How do you? How, it's miserable.
1: I said, don't let anything steal your joy. Yeah. you know, you can't, you, I don't know how you can live that way. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I have, and I just need to get this out in public, but do you know that Facebook specifically has an edit function on the post? That when you post something and you misspell something, you can edit it and fix your misspelling. The reason I say this is because often, besides the paragraph not happening, people will misspell things. Mm-hmm. But instead of editing their post, they comment. I meant to say this. Instead of just <laughs> and editing. Just editing the post. I'm like, come on. Cause now I have to read this thread to try to figure out what you were saying. So just a paragraph, just a paragraph. I'm just, just saying, I'm just just saying. you can, you can edit.
1: Well, you know, there's, there's many thoughts that you have to get, you know, and that's what paragraphs are for, right? You're outlining right. a thought, right? Exactly. Do, do they have creative writing lessons anymore? And you
0: know, I don't know, but I will tell you this. There's a lot of things that aren't taught today. I've got a nine year old in school mm-hmm. and I have the 21 and 20 year old. Who's uh, 21 and 21, 20 year old. I said that really weird. Um, so they're out, but the nine-year-old, I, they, I don't think they're teaching things they used to teach. Even 10 years ago, um, I've got a series of books, uh, and if anybody's curious about those books, they will be on uh, the website at streamgrace.com. Uh, you can look into them, but I don't want to name them here. But uh, they teach kids that are ages 6 to 12 principles of the free market, principles of civics and things that mm-hmm. we don't teach anymore. Right. And uh, my nine-year-old's been devouring his books. He's really into it. It's pretty well, neat. Well, it, well, it's
1: neat. Well, well, first of all, you know, the brain is an amazing thing. You know, the, yeah. the more you put into it, the the more it'll hold. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I, these kids, these kids want to learn. the
0: contrary, in <laughs> mine.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's there. You just might not know where <laughs> it's holding it. it. It's in there.
0: So I want to uh, want to switch gears a little bit, and and re- I want to get into some a deeper story here. But in order to reveal precisely what it is that you do i want to i want to hand you this paper and i want you to read uh what's on it in in an appropriate fashion can you read it
1: starting at guard from Choctaw, oklahoma number two jeremy griffin
0: <laughs> yes Thanks, man. Did I, did I clip your mic Oh my gosh. Yeah. We blew it up. It's distorted like crazy. No, it's all right. That's if it wouldn't be good if it wasn't. (laughs) So you are a PA announcer for for your (laughs)
1: Oklahoma city thunder. Indeed.
0: But my favorite part and, and, uh, you know, I talked about how we had dinner a lot for the last eight years. So, uh, you've been working for thunder for eight seasons and, uh, and so we, uh, we have our dinner break when doors open. You and I get about an hour, well, right, about 45, 30, yeah, yeah. 45 minutes. So we usually have dinner down in the uh, bowels. Of the, 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 the famous
1: running. $3 employee meal. Yes. The best $3 we ever spent. You
0: know, it really is most days. It really is. Most days. Yeah. There yeah. are, there's, uh, you know, <laughs> we're all human. That's right. That's we're right. all human. But, um, but uh, I remember talking to you one day about how in the world did you become. A voice because the Thunder's not the first team you work for.
1: That is that is correct. My first my first team was, uh, I spoke to you of my love of the Houston Rockets. Yep. And uh, from 1997 till 2003, I was a PA announcer for the Houston Rockets.
0: Anything significant happened in that time, frame?
1: Uh, I was there. I, I came in with. Uh, it was right after their championships, so I didn't get it. I wasn't there during a champ. Well, I was a fan, right. and I was at every. Had a friend that had season tickets and, and went to every playoff game, uh, every home playoff game, um, and that was fantastic. And that was that's when I just fell in love with the spectator game of NBA basketball. You yeah. know, because if you know if you have the the fortune to be in an arena in an NBA playoff game there's there's no atmosphere pretty amazing like it. there's no that i've never i've been to i've been to football games i've been you know i've been to you know college games and everything but gosh it was, it was just an amazing experience and then you know and at the time i was uh i was a general manager for chain of pool halls mm. and i'm you know and i'm driving around this is summer of 97 and uh I hear all the guy on the radio say, hey, "Houston Rockets looking for the new next uh, public address announcer," and uh, they're going to have auditions. And, you know, such and such place and so I'm all over this. Yeah, you know, this is this is my thing because you know I would you know I would go along with the you know every game. You know, I was announcing it because I was always a loud guy anyway. <laughs> and uh, you know, we had a Elijah one, one of the greatest ever. Man, that guy was so good. And uh, Charles Barkley was coming in. And uh we had Clyde Drexler on the team and Scottie Pippen and um and uh, you know, I I went to the audition, got a gig, had no experience in professional sports announcing. I just uh used uh whatever I thought would work to, you know, secure the secure the the job and that was you know that was an that was a uh, an experience in and of itself it was uh, i guess what happened is um well matter of fact the current public address announcer for the houston rockets was the public addresser of the houston rockets then oh wow okay 96 matt thomas and he does he's their pa announcer and he also does uh, radio mm. f- on the road uh for the rockets so he comes and visits, you know, yeah. visits us here in Oklahoma City. Uh, great guy. Well, he had gotten a gig as uh, the University of Houston play-by-play radio for football and basketball. I think it was both. And uh, so he couldn't do the the Rockets gig, and they they decided, well, we'll just make it a publicity thing, you know, create some publicity about it. So they got with all the all the radio stations every single radio station in the town was able to nominate one person for the finals. Cool. And then, you know, for, for the final audition. And then they would have, you know, their own choices in there too. And uh, so I heard this and I go out to this place and, you know, the bar, I can't remember the name of it because I, I didn't advance at that place. Hmm. But anyway, I go into it and I came in second. The guy that won was one of the bar regulars there. And you know, and the radio station chose them. Well, it was uh, it was the sports radio station. Tom Franklin was a longtime sports guy in in Houston. He pulls me aside and says, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, they're doing this at other places. You ought to give it a shot." I go, "Oh, really? Well, where are they where are they doing it?" And he goes, "Well, you know," points over to some rocket staffers, and I he goes, oh, "They should know." So I go over there, and you know, I had probably half a dozen or so friends with me, and. I go, hey, were you, y'all, we doing any of these other? Oh yeah, we got this other place, and you know, it's this country western club, and and I look at my friends, do y'all want to go? They got one in about about an hour, and they go, okay, let's go. So we go in the middle of this country western club, and it was a country station was you know doing their thing, and you know all the cowboys are twirling their girls around the, the dance floor, and then they you know, they stopped the music and they got some promotion and nobody knows about, <laughs> uh, and you know there's like me that purposely went there at about five people they desperately grabbed out of the you know people in the bar to do this thing and i you know of course i blew it you know blew them out of the water so okay so i get my golden ticket right or whatever (laughs) you think you know so it's next wednesday at uh i think it was main main street live anyway it was a multi-venue club Hmm. and um city streets is what it was named and um it was a multi-venue club and they had a, like a dueling piano lounge and then they had you know all these big things and then a big dance floor and all that so it's a week week from then I said well you know you know, I told you, I was the general manager of these pool halls. So for that week, I went to every pool hall and saw every regular customer that I could know. Hey, how you doing? This? Hey, yeah. come on up to City Streets next Wednesday, man. You Cheer me on, man. I'm just being this. <laughs> and I did that for a whole week straight. I mean, I hit four, five, six, seven, eight places. And sure enough, thankfully, I had a lot of friends show up. So we get down to, you know, City Streets and, you know, it's a big event and, there's a lot of people there and, you know, the press and, you know, they're all there and, you know, and I, you know, I get in line. And some of my friends stayed up front trying to find the people that come in and know Mario. And they told, they, they had them to say, you, you, we don't want you all in one place. You guys go to different places. Yeah. All throughout this, you know, and when Mario gets on, get all the people around you to cheer for, you know, for your guy Mario. So we go through this whole thing and, you know, there's a hundred something, hundred something people there, you know, so they give you these little, you know, commercial reads, you know, you know, typical plain straight things. And, you know, you go through that and then they cut it down and then, you know, then they come back and they, they had, uh, you know, someone doing the, um, you know, just the live action, you know, just, you know, out of bounds type plays and, so we all went through that and they cut it down something then we get down to the finals which is you know of course going to be the starting lineups right and I and I went I went first <laughs> and back then the, the number one guy was you know Kim Elijah on the you know, right was, was starting at center from the University the number 34 <laughs> Hakeem the dream Elijah and the place erupted. Wow. All oh, my friends, the place erupted. So the next guy that came on, man, he was like, "How do I?" I mean, you could tell, it. you in his body language, "How can I follow this up?" You know, and, he was, and he, the guy was good. I mean, you know, he was good, but you know, he didn't have anybody cheering for him. And I got it. And, you know, Miller Lite was a big sponsor and they dumped beer all over me oh, and they had a picture in the newspaper and I worked that first year free. Wow, it was a free gig. I was doing all that for a free gig, and I didn't care. I didn't, you know, I was glad to do it. Well, sure. And that's, that's how cool. I got in. And you know, I'd...
0: you gotta love the American dream to be able to rig the system to get a gig. <laughs> well, you know, a,
1: what, that'd be called vote harvesting. Yeah, exactly. But here's
0: <laughs> here's the unsung heroes. here. Here is the reality that without you being that loud guy and having those kind of relationships, you wouldn't have been able to garner that kind of support anyway.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's not
0: rigging the system. It's living life.
1: Well, well, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, you know basketball is, you know, it's so fast. It's so fast. There are so many moments. There's so many scores. There's so many things that happen. But some of them are just a little bit bigger mm. than other ones. Mm-hmm. And when you can get that spark and you ignite that crowd and that crowd responds, Man, it's man, it's, Feels um, it's, good, Oh, it? it's unbelievable.
0: I know that just, you know, I've been the sound guy, I've been running your sound for 8 years and um uh, I will tell you my favorite thing that you do. I've never told you this. But a favorite thing you do is when you speak and you call out an opposing team's player who just scored your variation in level of disdain for that player varies based on the overall crowd's love or hatred for that player. And so
1: so if it's a player that the crowd doesn't like, I say it differently, is that yeah, what you're absolutely. saying?
0: Absolutely. And and you it's super subtle, but when you listen to it and I'm I'm just going to make up a name. I'm not saying that Oklahoma City fans don't like this person necessarily. But I'm just reminded of a time where, you know, um, a guy scores. I believe he was a guard. And and it was Patrick Beverly.
1: <laughs> 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 the crowd.
0: Oh, yeah. But I think it's funny because I think equally as important as those nuances when our team scores. It's just funny the way that you've got those little, you know. You know,
1: I don't plan them.
0: Oh, I'm, I, don't, I don't plan I them. Look, so. look,
1: that happened when he took.
0: All right. No, no, no. I, yeah, we won't talk about it. We don't it. Want to talk about it. We but
1: yes. It. I, let's just put it this way. I saw it. I remember it. It's never leaving my mind. Yes, so, fair enough. Uh, you know, I people can say what they want, but, you know.
0: It happened right in front of you.
1: I mean, I have a picture it, of it. I yeah. mean, it was within six feet of me. Yeah, no, I remember. <laughs> and um, so, anyway, you know, uh, there are moments, you know, you know, you don't, you know, I, well, I'll tell you what, in the Rockets days, the nemesis was uh, uh, John Stockton and Carl Malone.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I can't tell you. They were jazz, right? Yeah, the jazz knocked us out two years in a row after after our championship years. And um, yeah, it was always John Stockton for three. That's the end of the game. (laughs) You know, it was just like,
0: oh. (laughs) Oh, We want to thank you for coming out tonight. It
1: was daggers, you know. And I remember Rudy saying... Don't leave him open mm-hmm. as they're going out to start the play. Don't leave him open. Yeah, and uh, he, he was shifty though. Yeah, he was shifty, and he got open, and of course he hit it. And, right, you know, great players make great shots, and uh, he certainly did that. But uh,
0: this was, you know, before I knew anything about basketball at all. There was a game at that same time frame. It was, uh, I think it was called NBA Jam or something. It was a two on two. Arcade game, right? I remember that. One. And I always chose Stockton and Malone.
1: Oh well, they were probably good on that game. They too. were
0: great on that game, but I just I loved it. That's the only that's the only reason I knew who they were is because no. I always played them on that. But
1: those guys are those guys are really good.
0: They were good. Well, I'm glad that you got into the gig because um, we got a chance to uh, meet each other, and I've enjoyed knowing you these eight years for sure, and look forward to another. Um, I'll look forward to seven after that. I don't know if it's going to be as fun anymore, but
1: <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. I, I, you know, it's, um, you know, I think another thing about the game and it's something that doesn't get tireless with me, um, is competition. You know, I was sure. always a competitor. You know, I got into the pool business and pool hall business. Cause I liked playing pool.
2: Yeah. I liked
1: winning pool, I Liked bowling. You know, even when I was younger, I'd play tennis. I don't care what it was. I'll play cards. I'll play any game that you can possibly play. I love playing, and I'm going to play to win because right. I like winning, and it's fun. Yeah, uh, it's it never gets boring. You know, with me, and when you get to a pro level, you know these guys—they're you know, getting paid a lot of money for a big reason because they're really, really good, and people will pay a lot of money to watch excellence Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and people and how hard they work to be excellent because in our daily lives you know we all you know we all start off the day i think most of us say i just want a good day yeah you know they have to have an excellent day Mm. you know when they get on the court they have to have an excellent day and you know i don't don't know if that's achievable for people to, to to go out every day going i want today to be excellent and i'm sure i'm sure you know people that are Sure. That are that are, you know that are that way, but most people aren't. Mm-hmm. and they they feed off of that excellence. Also, maybe people would strive to be excellent if they had you know someone in their work going, you know, every time they did something right, someone going, you know, Jeremy
0: Griffin, right. you know, great job. I'm going to record a bunch of these uh, just to put on a soundboard for me to have. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, you know, if you, know, if you had someone that announced every great thing you did, you probably would feel a lot better about you. Sure. Game, you know, but we don't. Right. We don't. So we go pay to get that el- elsewhere. But,
0: you know, wouldn't you agree, though, that the guys that you see that have stood out, um, you know, above the rest are guys that are internally motivated, that that doesn't do – Anything for them, right. they're going to work their butt off either way.
1: Well, right. I, I remember uh, Rudy T uh, in, in the championship years uh, that someone asked him says, "Well, well Rudy, uh, what do you do to uh, motivate your guys before a game?" And Rudy says, "Well, if I got to motivate these guys, right. I got the wrong guys."
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: You know, they got to be internally motivated. You're absolutely right. It's got to come,
0: and you, you can see it. I mean, you see it with the new guys in the league, especially. Mm-hmm. I think those guys that come in, you're like. You got a new car, didn't you? You feel good, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the thing, you no. know, making their making their money and then moving on, and
1: and, and that's a and that's a, f- a fantastic thing, you know. If I was good enough and I could, you oh know, sure, man, God, just you know, if you hold on to that money. What was that player a few years ago? He got his first contract, put it in trust for himself, or when he was older.
0: Oh, I don't remember that, but that's really
1: that yeah, he did that. Was he yeah. one of our guys? No, wasn't okay. one of our guys, but. Uh, but I thought that was wonderful because he goes, you know, the team pays for all your meals and all your travel and all your, you know, you don't spend anything when you're with the team. Yeah. You know, you're spending when you're not with the team. He goes, but, you know, he just put it in trust for himself. And that's a fantastic thing, you that's know, smart. because, uh, you know, I know if I would have gotten a lot of money at 18, <laughs> yeah, I had a new car too.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. new car too. Well, man, let me ask you this question. What, uh, if you would be so kind to share with us, what's, what's one of the biggest regrets of your life? One of the, one of the things you think back, man, I wish that wouldn't have happened.
1: Hmm. I don't know. I don't really spend time thinking about regrets cause I can't change the past.
0: That's a good concept.
1: Um, you know, I got, I I, I regret not making my marriage work. Hmm. I guess you know I mean it was it was tough on my daughter and she's grown now you know my daughter's in her thir- and, um, she's in her thirties and uh a wonderful girl you know just great gal and um but it was tough on her you know I wish we would have been able to make that work a little bit better for her yeah um but you know I can't you know man I can't I can't think about the past, I can't think about the future. I'm currently looking for a new place to live and um, um not because I'm don't have a place it's cause sure. I don't want to live in the place that I'm living in anymore right and it's actually the the very place that I moved when I moved here eight years ago. Wow. So I've been there a long time yeah and i've been I've been out probably i've probably put about eight hundred miles on in the last month and a half looking for you know looking for you know the right place to live, you know you know and that's very tough, but, it, but it, it's actually been kind of good for me because I've actually learned more about the city
2: mm.
1: in this last month and a half. And the hidden gems of little neighborhoods there are all over this they city, they
0: are all over.
1: All over the city. You know, you're going to be driving through a part of town, you go, oh, yeah, I don't know. You you, know, so you, you, know, you look something up on the internet, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'll go drive and check it out, you know, and, <laughs> right. oh, what the heck is going on? Then you you make one turn, and the next thing you know is, hey, this is a nice neighborhood. Yeah. I like this. This is
0: nice. You know, this is something I think, I don't know if it's 100% unique to Oklahoma City, but and I think I have a reason for it, but... Um, you know, most towns have a bad part of town and, and Oklahoma city, you know, the Metro doesn't really have a bad part of town because every bad part of town has a good part of it. Right. And, and I actually attribute the oil money here because oil money was so quick, so big, so fast that wherever the expansion was happening, there was a lot of expansion, a lot of money poured into it. And then you had a little depression on the, in the oil industry and you had bad things parts of town. Down, right? right. And so every time, cause basically, you know, things expanded all four directions and um it just depends on the decade you're in as to which one's expanding you know right Uh, out west is probably expanding well east and west both are expanding pretty much at about the same rate now Mm -hmm. and it used to be north and south
1: yeah i looked at a house in yukon yeah and they got some old neighborhoods, but they got some brand new neighborhoods and are beautiful homes way out of my range. But you know but they you know they, but but even the old neighborhoods are nice, nice little cute little houses. And, yeah. Uh and, but but growing. Everything's growing. There's new neighborhoods going up every direction I go.
0: Yeah. That's a pretty crazy deal. And and I wanna I wanna speak to that. You know, I ask this question to most of my guests about regret and uh and I appreciate one of the things I like about you know, I look at regrets as you you have them when you when you haven't moved on, you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You have regret in those moments, but you know I I look at my life and I think I am who I am based on everything that's happened to me, good and bad. True. And so it's hard for me to regret circumstances because I can see the good that came from them. Right. And uh, well,
1: you know it's it's about choices, right? Sure. You know every every day we make decisions. Every day, thousands of decisions every single day. And. What you try to do, or at least what I've always tried to do, and perhaps I got this from my dad, he was an engineer, and, you know, so he looked at everything just scientifically. You know, you, if you make a decision and you don't get the result that you desired because of that decision that you made, then you you have to question, you know, figure out what, what what's happened? the right thing, you know, what happened, you know, what do you need to do differently, what, what, how do we, what changes do we need to make in our decision to get the desired result? And he never, and he never, he was never one to uh, beat you over the head for a mistake, you know. Yeah. He said, son, you get experience right after you need it. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's true. Yeah. You know, when I was older and I had had a struggling business, and he goes, son, when you find yourself in a hole, quit digging. Yeah. You know, he, he he never really was like... You know, hey, you. You know, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you? you know, it was never like that. It was just, you know, sometimes we make bad decisions, and you, you know, you clean it up. Yeah. You know, you you spill the milk, you clean up the milk.
0: Yeah. So, uh, tell me one of the one of the most impactful moments of your life, good or bad. What's one of the most impactful? Like what you'd consider to see like a like a turning point? And uh, yeah.
1: Hmm. I would probably say my confirmation.
0: Mm. Tell me about that.
1: You know, the uh, you know, confirmation Catholic sure. church when, you know, when you're, you're old enough and you profess your faith and, and that was good. You know, you know, uh, you know, for me it was impactful. You know, my mom was, my mom was a servant with the church for many, many years. And, uh, and she worked with liturgy and, you know, in education and all that. So, so I had a good understanding, you know, I wasn't just, you know, you know, forced to go to this class because, you know, you're Catholic. That's what you're supposed to do. And that's what we do. And you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it It wasn't like that. There was, there was, you know, you know, teaching about everything, um, of what you were saying. Yeah. And basically when you're saying, you're saying I'm a child of God.
2: Yeah.
1: And, if you go forth into the world as a child of God and live the truth as best as you can, the good things will
2: happen—not
1: yeah. just for you, but for other people. And I, and I think that helped me develop a rapport with strangers and you know friends and family alike. You you, you, you treat people differently if you think of it that way. Mm. You know, you're not you're not trying to gain status over anybody. You're not trying to make someone look bad, or might make someone look bad to make you look good. You're not, you know, you're not showing somebody up. You're not, you know, whatever. You know, I just you I can't even contemplate the number of ways that people use to, you know, hurt each other or to gain advantage because of their own desires to move up in the world and and do all that. I always found that if you you know, you treat people with dignity and respect and, you know, and make your, always make your boss look good, mm. you know, make your boss look good. Because when he gets promoted, mm-hmm. when he gets promoted and there's a vacancy filled, who are they going to look to? You know, look to the guy that made them look good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you worked hard and, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you did what you're, you know, did what you're supposed to do. Whatever job you're supposed to do, do it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: do it better. I can do it better than. Do it as best as you, that you can, but try to be the best employee that you can be. And don't listen to those other employees say, Hey, man, quit working so hard. You're making me look bad. <laughs> right? And I believe I've heard that more than once yeah. throughout my life.
0: It's weird, you know,
1: isn't it? Yeah, you're making us look bad. I said, Well, no, you're making you look bad. Yeah. You know, I, I don't like, you know. Someone's paying me money. They're paying me to work. Right. Um,
0: I've always struggled with that. I've, I've worked with guys in the past that – um in the, we're in the same field and um, we'll be working on a project. And at some point, you know, I'm looking at, I'm an efficiency guy, right? So I want things to work well and simply because I think if it's efficient, it's probably simple. And if it's simple, it's probably got resiliency as far as fail rate. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I remember working with this one guy and, and he was making something so complex. And I thought, man, what's going on? And I said, well, well why, why are you even doing that? Like I'm confused, and he said, "Well, I've got to justify my job somehow." And I thought, "Well, see, this is a problem." Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, so,
1: well, it's it's a politician. It,
0: um, no, no. Well, could mean,
1: that's how that sounds like what a politician would do, it, you know, because if they don't have a problem to solve, then they don't have a job. Exactly. No, he could have been.
0: Maybe he will be one day. I don't you know. You never know.
1: You never know. I Politicians, don't. great spenders of other people's money.
0: They they do well. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah I was also uh, other impactful things you know less impactful from that I mean that was really the guiding force I, I think I think books that made impact I, I think books made more impact mm. on me than than people uh, I don't know if you remember um, very old book um, how to win friends
0: Dale Carnegie
1: Dale Carnegie right
0: I never read it but I'm yeah, familiar it,
1: with it it's a it's it's an easy read yeah uh, but it was impactful because I also read this at a very young age, and and it helped me in my, um, you know, I want to explain to you when I wanted to be a gregarious guy, right? You know, you know, you know that the, it it helped it, it helped me because one of the things that that the Dale Carnegie really the essence of the book is get people to talk about themselves. People love to talk about themselves, mm. and um, they like people that like hearing them talk about
0: themselves
1: that's a very very
0: a really quick summary very very quick summary reductive of it. maybe a little
1: yeah, a little bit reductive he used quite a few more pages to to say that but uh but that's really what it is um, because you know we 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 go you know everything that we do and you know we we're focused on doing what we're doing but when somebody asks you something about yourself which is kind of Weird being on, you know, getting receiving questions because it's usually me doing the questioning of, <laughs> of, you know, because that's the first thing I do when I get a customer, say, comes up to my bar. Right. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, welcome, i get you, you can get them whatever they want. So, How was your day today? Did you get it done or, you know, or, oh, what, you know, if you notice it's an out-of-state idea oh, what brings you to town or, you know, just just something, get them talking. And those are the ones that stay longer.
0: Mm-hmm, Sure.
1: So if I could, you know, if I just go up there and say, Hey, what can I get you? And you get it to him and you walk away and don't say another word to them They're likely going to finish that and leave, Yeah. you know, because, you know, obviously they don't have anything to do. They came to sit at your bar. Right. <laughs> you know, they just You like, <laughs> oh know, I'd like to see a human being today. I don't want to sit and watch a TV. Uh, I want to go see somebody You go sit at some guy's bar and, you know, they just ignore you. And you sit there and you go, well, I guess I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you got to talk to them. You got to talk to people and. Uh and and I I have used that for for years. Just ask them something about themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you know, you know, you there's somebody next you know, two seats down, you know, you ask them something, and they, you get them talking and then you know then you don't have to do any more talking. And, you know, they got their you know, they got their budding
0: friendship there. Right. I had a friend of mine who was a, a bartender for years and <clears throat> I remember him telling me one day we were at a, a gathering together and he had a little he had a little alcohol in him. He wasn't bartending that night. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, <laughs> he looked at me and he said, you know, you and I are the same. But he said it with a good slur, a really mm-hmm. perfect drunk slur, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been in ministry for 25 years. and been a pastor. And he said, uh, you and I are really the same. He said, people come and they need to tell us what's going on, speak to, you know, tell, you know, just, they, they open up, they talk. And he said, the difference between you and I. Is you actually have something to offer them. <laughs> <laughs> now I I would argue that he had something to offer them too. It just wasn't what he thought it was.
1: <laughs> well, likely, uh, you know, uh, I found that, you know, I, I've, and gosh, being in the, in the business, as long as I've had, I've had the same conversation
0: a billion, the, times. a billion times <laughs> yeah.
1: with a billion different people. But, it's not it's not so much it's not so much echo chamberish as you know a lot of people like to hear their opinions coming out of your mouth. Sure. And but other people I think other people are really you know they just like the dissemination of the information. Mm. Some people argue a point and then the next night they're arguing the opposite point <laughs> because they really just they just want to argue. Yeah. Which is okay. I don't know, you know, I don't have a problem with that. You know, of course, you can find someone else to do it with because we went through this last <laughs> night, You know, and I'm not going through it again. You're right. <laughs> you exactly. Know. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, I, I think people just really just generally, they just... If you're expressing something, a feeling, a thought, an opinion, expressing something, there's nothing more real than how you feel at that moment when you are expressing it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because... You know. And when when you're not, say you're sitting at home by yourself or maybe with your family or, you know, whatever and you you know, maybe you have a maybe you have a job, maybe you're a security guard somewhere where you don't see anybody all day, you're just guarding a gate. Hmm. You don't see nobody all day long. All day long, you got nothing. And then finally, there's somebody that they can talk to, <laughs> you know. Right. They just—it's not about what they're saying; it's about hey, I'm saying something, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that makes them feel great, and you know, hey, that's okay. Hmm. That's okay. I never, I never, uh, I never had a problem ever in my life with someone that didn't agree with me.
2: Yeah.
1: I, and you know, you know, when you have a argument or something, I mean, I never—not until recently—did I ever really. Understand how people can't believe that someone would have a different opinion. Mm. I mean, it was always, yeah, I got my opinion, you got your opinion. We talk it out, you know, I'll tell you why I think this, you tell me why you think that. We still both think what we think, and that's okay. You know, I'm going think less of somebody. Now, if you don't think right, you're the enemy.
0: Yeah, it's weird. It breaks
1: my heart. It breaks my heart to see this done, and it's done by you done by professionals you know that know how to you know create enemies when when there weren't any to begin with
0: yeah yeah it's definitely uh, there's something in the air that is radically different than it's maybe ever been and and I think even as you articulate that the, the free thought is is not a thing anymore if you express what you think and it's different you're it's not like oh i disagree it's you are the absolute antithesis of right no. It's just so bad. Well,
1: you know, and also, and also, I, I get, I get, I, I don't understand where people think that their conclusions are facts. Mm. So we, we both presented the same information, somehow filtered through the same filters that own the information. And we get the same information. And we take that information, we put it based on our experience, we kind of find out where it fits, and then we make a conclusion.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, that conclusion is not a fact, but it is your conclusion. Now, today, if you have a discussion with somebody and they've made a different conclusion, and they've also made the conclusion that if anybody makes a different one, then it has to be because of... Whatever that is that they hate, you, ha- you could only come to that wrong conclusion because you are whatever. Mm-hmm. They don't consider that there might be a bunch of different reasons why someone would come to a different conclusion than them, and that's what that's what that's what bothers me. Well, you just don't you don't listen to science or you don't listen to whatever. <laughs> well, science? Well, whose science? Right. Whose science are we going to listen to? Just point, just your your scientists. Right. Or my scientists.
0: Well, not just to mention the fact that science is a pursuit of fact and truth, and and the reality is is that those things have changed perspective yeah. and and understanding. You know, exactly. There's a point exactly. where where most of the world believed the world is flat. There's still some that believe that, but where the the earth was flat, and then one day we didn't because we got new information. Right. So that's just a reality. You know. Right. But...
1: Yeah. Twitter That's right. a, maybe for your next show. You need to get a flat earther.
0: Uh, I, it's in the cards.
1: It's in the cards. You it got is one in the coming. Cards. All right.
0: I don't know uh, when, but I've got one on my list.
1: I saw, I saw one of the funniest the, the videos I saw was a guy who was uh, he was trying to prove that the, the, the Earth is flat. So he takes a he takes a plate and he, he takes a cup of water and he pours water on He says, "Hey, see that water stays right on that plate." And then he takes an orange. And he pours water on the orange, and the orange, you know, the water falls off the orange, right? And he goes, and this is round, and the water doesn't stay on. Science. So, hey, it's science. So the earth is flat, or the water would just roll right off. Wow.
0: Has he ever been to a magic show? Because that will rack his world, man. (laughs) Well, I think it would be a little sarcastic, but it was funny. It was funny. Well, we are are hitting that hour mark, so I want to— Already? Yeah, I know, right? We can, right. we can do more, and it's the best part of this. Um, yeah, you can always cut it out. Oh, there's no editing. <laughs> editing? We, we don't edit. Are you kidding <laughs> that me? That takes
1: to be way too much way time. Way too
0: much time. <laughs> do it right the first time, or we're not doing it. Um, I have one question for you, That uh, one last question. Um, if you had, and you do, but if you wanted to share with the world and you had the opportunity to say one thing, what would it be today?
1: You might have to edit the long pause. That's a good question. And
0: yeah,
1: I should have been should have been.
0: We'll put some music in it.
1: Expecting uh
0: And and here's the thing. We can you can come back and we'll just you can say something else to the world. But today, today right now in this moment.
1: Today. Don't let anything steal your joy.
0: That's good. Simple as that.
1: And I mean, we got we got we got too much to be thankful for. It's too many good things. There's too many good people. Yeah. There's you know every day we can we can make make our little chunk of the world just a little bit better. And be joyous about it.
0: I like it. So. I am joyful and thankful that you came today. Well, no, well, join me on the podcast. Man. Well, I hope you ask me back. I will ask you back. It's a good time. I know that uh, the listeners had to have enjoyed that. I am grateful for the. At guard from Choctaw, Oklahoma, number two, Jeremy Griffin. Been waiting for that for a long time.
1: Well, you know, you, know, you, know, well, uh, you need to you need to get a, a nickname, too, and throw that in there.
0: <laughs> we will definitely work on it. Mario, again, thanks for coming. And, uh, guys, thank you for joining us. Again, if uh, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to find others find others like this, you can uh, always go over to streamgrace.com, find more podcasts. Uh, In the meantime, though, I just want to thank you all for joining us. And uh, we'll see you. Well, we won't see you. But maybe you'll see us in the future. And we will definitely talk to you next time.
2: Find more episodes at StreamGrace.com Peace at streamgrace.com.